welcome to the Channel V6 podcast. I'm your host, David Gale. The Channel V6 podcast covers all the unique and diverse topics that matter most to you, the Uinta Basin residents. Subscribe to listen to in-depth conversations about the local issues that affect us all. On today's show, we have Joanne Evans, the Duchesne County Clerk Auditor, and Mike Wilkins, Uinta County Clerk Auditor. But before we get to the topic of the day, if you can't haven't guessed what it is yet. Let's talk about our platinum sponsor, who is Larson Haslam Dental. At Larson Haslam Dental, their amazing team is dedicated to not only improving your oral health, but to also restore and maintain your overall health. Are you unhappy with your current dental insurance? Maybe you don't have dental insurance. Well, Larson Haslam Dental has the solution for you. They have the Larson Haslam Savings Plan. Give them a call to discuss the details. Larson Haslam Dental has the most state-of-the-art equipment in our area, providing you and your entire family with all your dental needs. They offer implants, implant-supported dentures, root canals, same-day crowns, and a laser that treats small DK spots uh, and also treats children without getting numb. Larson Haslam Dental is a comprehensive dental office that is happy to treat your whole family from young to old. They also have the most fun and best staff around. Call them now and mention you heard their ad on this podcast, and they will schedule a free consultation to see if the Larson Haslam Savings Plan is a good fit for you. You can call 781-2729. That's 435-781-2729. Or you can just visit them online at LarsonHaslamDental.com. They're great guys. I know a couple of them personally. (laughs) I guess that would be both of them. (laughs) Uh, But no, we, we really appreciate them. Um, taking, the, taking the time to sponsor things like this so that we can have conversations that are important to the community. So once again, we have Joanne Evans, Duchesne County Clerk Auditor, and Mike Wilkins, Uinta County Clerk Auditor, and our topic of the day is uh, a really important one, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to throw that out there because it seems to me that uh, in the last three to six months or so, there's almost not a day that has gone by that I have not heard in the news mention of something that's related to the elections, specifically mail-in ballots, which is what we're really here to talk about today. Um, Even today, this morning, there was some news overnight from California, and then on my way over here to do this podcast, there was some more news about uh, uh, a ruling. um, Let me see, what was it? Uh, well, another ruling about uh, elections that were uh, taking place or, or some rules that were that were trying to be changed. So with you two here, we're talking primarily about how this all affects uh, us locally in the basin, Uina and Duchesne. So maybe we can start by having you guys introduce yourselves and tell us uh, just a little bit about what your position is and what that position does. And then I'll maybe I'll ask you a little more questions. I, I want to make sure that our audience has a, a real firm understanding about how elections work locally and how that compares to possibly state elections, federal elections, and how they all tie together. So, uh, Joanne, how about you first? Well, um, my name is Joanne Evans, and I've been the clerk auditor for Duchesne County for the last six years. And before that, I was the chief deputy and ran the elections for seven years prior to that. Um, And we moved to by-mail ballots in 2012, and so this isn't anything new to us. And one of the reasons why we did that was because uh, at the last census, we were chopped up into three house districts, and we needed to be able to have some voter turnout to 
to be able to have some some say in the matters on the hill and and different things like that and so that's the reason why we started to move forward with it and in the process we learned that we saved money by doing it we saved the taxpayers dollars by moving forward with by mail process um, my county was the first county to go to the by mail process and then everybody else followed through in the next four years and as we did that um, we learned a lot of things because in the state of Utah, all of the counties that uh, we work together, we try to be a team. We try to to do things the same so that everybody, when the information is given out, that the same information is being relayed all across the state. And so it's an important thing for us to all be on the same page. Okay, uh, Mike, before we get to you, I, I just want to follow up really quick. Um, in 2012, uh, mail-in ballots, you're saying that when the state went to mail-in ballots, it started with Duchesne County? It did. Okay, and then all of the other counties followed suit. Yes. So that the entire state now is mail-in. Yes. Um, and maybe, Mike, I'll, I'll jump over to you so that you can introduce yourself as well. But maybe as part of just a, a, a real quick civics lessons for, for all of our listeners, when we talk about mail-in voting versus in-person uh, voting election, uh, what exactly are we talking about here? Are we talking about doing completely away with coming in on election day and standing at the polls? Pretty much. The uh, when when she like Joanne said, she was the first county to go to all by mail, and when we're saying all by mail, we're saying that every registered voter in your county will receive a ballot. Uana County went to all by mail the presidential election of 2016, uh, where our voter turnout went amazingly high. We went averaging 75 to 78% turnout. We had a 90% turnout in the November of 2016. So people are, so when we say by mail, meaning we're going to send you a ma- ballot by mail, you're going to get it in your mailbox, and you're going to take your time to research that ballot, research candidates, research the amendments, whatever's on it, and you're going to vote it. At that point, you can either put it back into the mail, send it back to us, or there's multiple drop boxes throughout both counties and throughout the state. You're supposed to drop them back in your county you're in, and then we process it from there. So the state of Utah still requires, even though we're by mail, we still have to have a polling location on election day. So ours in Uinta County is the county courthouse, is the county building. We're going to have two locations in there. That November of 16, we have did over 3,000 people that day. We were very unprepared that day for what we anticipate, what we got, but we geared up and we got that way. We are very much more prepared this time than we was then, but I want to encourage people to vote it. Drop it off. Don't wait to that November 3rd deadline because there's lots of issues on it that you need to take time to study them. And we'll get into some of those issues here in just a minute. So um, are you saying then uh, if I live in, in Utah and I show up on November 3rd at the polling location, I need to bring with me the ballot that was mailed to me prior. And if I don't... You are still going to take care of you. But okay. you should bring in that ballot with you and if you come in on election day, you need to bring me an ID, proven who you are. 
And the other thing that you need to realize, too, is if you choose to do that and leave your ballot at home, the process is going to take you a lot longer to get through. And if we have lines that day because we have a run of people who all of a sudden don't want to vote by mail, you're going to be standing in line waiting to be processed through as soon as we can get to you. So so what increases that time? Is it because the ballot already has information on it and they've got to refill things out? It's because they have to show ID at that point. Okay, you can come in with a ballot and not necessarily have to show ID. You can just drop it off, so to speak. Yes. But no, if you, you show up... You still have to have your envelope. You still got to have your envelope proving that will tie back that ballot back to you. Okay. So you just can't walk in on that day and drop your ballot. Okay. That is not going to work. You've, then if you did that, you've got to go through the polls. Okay. Through you've, we got to ID you, prove that's who you are, and then let, allow you to vote the ballot and drop it into the counting machine. And that's one of the reasons that it's so important to us that you don't do it that way because of the fact that it's how we help prevent fraud. Um, because of the ID and stuff, it just takes longer, and we want to make sure that you're only voting one time right. instead of two. And so it helps prevent the voter fraud that everybody is so worried about. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, as as my—the closer we get to the elections, the more my Facebook feed seems to be filled with um, uh, examples, whether they're true or not, of people— afraid of things that might have or not have happened in other areas. Like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not positive of, of the validity of some of the f- stories that are on there, but there's, there is certainly a feeling um, among my friends um, that there's, there's fear out there that I've never witnessed before. In fact, um, when we talk about uh, going to polling locations in the last election or, or maybe pr- it's probably the election before that, um, there was uh, a lot in the news and in the community uh, about the safety of electronic polling machines. And that isn't the case at all right now because of COVID. Um, are you aware of um, other states and, and how they're handling this? Utah, because we are, uh, at least for the last... You said 2016, Uena. Mm-hmm. Was Uena one of the last no. um, counties to join? No. Uh, Carbon County, I think, was the last county to actually make the step to do it. Okay. But one thing, on the envelopes, every envelope has a ballot ID number. So when you get your ballot, you're, you have been identified by a number of what that ballot is that you will get. Okay. You won't get another ballot unless that one's turned in, or you come in and we spoil that ballot and then we run you through the process. But you're talking lines if you do that. So if people didn't get their ballot, don't wait till November 1st, 2nd, 3rd. If you don't have a ballot, I'm going to say by this Friday, you better be calling us and let us find out what happened. Yeah, and that's another thing. Um, A lot of states, in fact, from what I understand, uh, there's only nine states plus the um, Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, um, that will mail the ballots out regardless. They'll look at voter registration, they'll, they'll mail out the ballots, and Utah happens to be one of those, correct? Yes, correct. Um, so if you are registered to vote, you should receive a ballot. You don't necessarily have to request one. If you're an active voter. Okay, what does that mean? Active voter is a person who has participated in the last eight elections 
An inactive voter is somebody who has not participated in the last eight elections and has um, become inactive because of that situation. And, and what would I have to do to remedy that? Just give us a phone call and say, I want to be active, and we would verify that you still live at the same address. Or if you have to re-register at a different address, and then we would make that happen so you could have a ballot. Okay. The key to this site is also is the states come up with a website called vote.utah.gov. Very interactive. You can pull up, see if you're registered, see where your ballot was mailed to. You can actually track your ballot when it gets back to us, whether it's been counted or not counted. You can register right there on that same site. You can pull up detailed information on all the candidates that have been that the candidates have submitted. And on the constitutional amendments, you can go in and see the whole dilly wax on everything what's <laughs> going to be what it what it is because you know the constitutional amendments are just little blurbs but unless you read to see what yay or nay for or against is you've got to be ready to know if you're really voting for something or against something and these are the state constitutional these amendments are state, we're talking about utah state constitutional amendments there are seven of them on this ballot that's what's going to generate the line because processing the voter once they get through with their id that's going to be if there's not a line, it's going to be maybe a two-minute process. Well, and one of the things that voters need to realize is that um, when we came together as a state a few years ago, we all have the same election system except for two counties. And because of that, uh, we got rid of all of our electronic machines. And so we only have just a very few that we keep on hand for those who um, are handicapped or need to use them for those types of purposes. They're not initially meant for people to to vote on and to do that. We are an all-by-mail county. That's exactly what it means. We are an all-by-mail county. That's how we want you to vote. And if you come in, you're going to get the same exact ballot that we mailed you. Unless you're a disabled first person, then we're going to help you with the actual equipment to allow you to vote the ballot for visually impaired people. It'll read the ballot to them and help them that way. But other than that, you're going to get the same exact ballot that you sent that we sent you in the mail. Okay, so and you're going to go to an old time voting booth, you know, and, <laughs> and you're going to go in there and you're going to color in the circles. No hanging chads. No, no hanging chads. <laughs> no hanging chads. No, no Florida. Um, okay, so let, let me just walk through this again for someone who is who has been listening and going. Okay, th- there's a lot that's been said. Generally speaking, if things are done the right way, what what should happen is that I should ballots were mailed out on the 13th today. today. Which, if you're listening to this live, then it's today. Um, which means that they should show up within what period of time? The next couple of days. Okay, next couple yeah. of days. If if you if you haven't got a ballot within how long? I'm going to say if you haven't got a ballot by next Monday, the what is that, 17th, 18th, whatever that is, okay. next Monday. Yeah. Please call us. We'll tell you where we mailed it. We'll tell you if you're active. We'll be able to give you a lot of information. Okay, so I get this in the mail. It's my ballot. It has my name on it. It has some information. I've got to fill this thing out in some way in order to prove that I am that person. It's not just take this piece of paper and go drop it off in somewhere after I've filled in my choices, right? Correct. What, what, what are the other things that are going to be on that ballot in order to ensure that I am the person that that person that it was mailed to? What's going to happen is on that envelope, there's a signature place for you. 
you're going to sign that. And believe it or not, we look at every single signature in the state of Utah. And sometimes two or three times. Right. <laughs> we have a couple of them. We'll look at it. And if they don't, if your signature doesn't match, we'll bring a couple more over. And we'll look. We have four or five signatures on each voter. And if you don't match, then we're going to call you and say, your signature don't match. Bring in your proof of ID and come in and verify your signature. You're going to come in and do that. Once every, once the signature is all good, that stub's going to come off that envelope. Now, your ballot is sealed inside that envelope. Once the stub comes off, because we verified, yep, that is so-and-so's ballot, it's a good ballot, it is separated. Now, there's no way to tell whose ballot that is. Oh, interesting. Because the identity of it is completely anonymous. Okay, so, so I've, I've filled it out. And I've sealed it up, and there's a stub on there. And the day of the elections, or beforehand, I mean, we, they can drop it off basically any Immediately. time. Right now. Sooner the better. Or they could mail it in. Or they could mail it which in. Which is a lot of the controversy right now is whether or not that's a viable option. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But uh, assuming that I'm just going to either drop it off uh, in a ballot box somewhere, an official ballot box, or on the day of the election I come and I drop it off. If I do that, I don't have to wait in the line. Correct. If you're just, just drop dropping it off. off, you're just dropping it off. And then the next thing that happens is that you will take all of those, you will do uh, a check of signatures based off of what? Just the signature you have on file for the voter? Mm-hmm. It, the signature that we have on file actually comes off their voter registration. Okay. So, or their driver's license. We pulled those two signatures, and so they need to realize that they can't sign their name differently for this because we've ran across this scenario several times where people are worried about people copying their signature and so they have two or three different signatures those are the people that we're going to call and say please come in and verify this and show us your id and okay and help us to understand why you did it this way okay then you take those ballots and what happens to them the ones that you've torn the stub off, we now have a ballot that we don't have any identity to, but we've identified as a good ballot. At that point, then we will bring in a crew that will start. We have an opening machine that opens them up, and they separate them. Each We do ours in batches of 50. So, so we'll, do we. We count, we'll count them in a batch of 50. We'll put a control number on it that does with those, and there will be a yellow one on it and a blue one. The yellow one's going to match your envelope. So... We know how many ballots are in that. And if we've pulled a couple for signatures, we start off with 50. Now we have 48. So then it goes through the process. Now we start opening envelopes. Again, that our control number stays with it. We open them up. We have 50 at 48 envelopes. We have 48 ballots. There's a blue stub that goes with the ballots. But there's 48 of them there. Mm-hmm. And there's 48 envelopes. Now they're separated. And then we'll keep those in 50s. We run ours through a ballot press that flattens them back out. Our electronic reader reads it better if they're kind of good okay. and flat. Right. Then uh, they, we start running them through a machine that reads them all. And does this happen the day of? When, when does this all occur? The law allows us to start counting them before the day of. So okay. we, you and a county is planning on starting count physically separating the envelope the Tuesday before. Okay. We'll start separating the envelopes, putting in the ballot press, and then our intention right now is Friday. We will that Friday before, our our counting machine is completely locked down. Nobody can see the results. That's why I listen to these the press thing. Oh, somebody's voted and nobody knows how they voted. 
unless they're standing there talking to people as they're walking out and somebody's keeping a tally. Right. Well, and I just want to do a little plug for our poll workers because our poll workers are not recognized enough for the amount of work that they do. Correct. Um, They are not in this to watch to see how people vote because my poll workers, I have Democrats, I have Republicans, I have unaffiliated, I have other parties, you know, and so they don't really care. And when they're working together, trying to make this scenario work, you know, they are the only thought they have in mind is we've got to help these people to let their ballot count. You know, and they're awesome at what they do, and they're very thorough at what they do. And we've been training, at least the poll workers I have, we've been training them for years. I mean, they went from the machines to this all-by-mail process with, you know, (laughs) gung-ho-ness, if that's a word. (laughs) You know, just just trying to help, you know. And over the last few weeks, I've received... Um, a lot of just things that have been being put on Facebook, um, people volunteering to be poll workers, but we put our poll workers in place months in advance right? so that we can get them trained and all of that because each election, each election has a little bit of a different scenario because of the legislatures play into things. And so we still have to do training for each election so that they can be up to speed on the laws. Right. Okay, so now you've got, um, you, you've started the Tuesday before, and you've started counting. Um, I'm assuming that information is is kept on a computer somewhere, um, and the ballots themselves, uh, uh, I would assume that you store those, and I don't know legally how long you're required to keep them, but certainly until the election is, is over and we're positive of the results, uh, because do you ever have to recount them? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Uh, but we, after the election's over with, we have to keep them for four years. Okay. So, but when we're saying counting ballots, we're counting, we have 48 here, 48. Who's on, who's, how them 48 are tallied by each race, that's not being done. Okay. Well, all point. we're doing is we're just keeping all a count of, of total ballots. Total ballots. Well, and also we are audited at the, after the election to make sure that our numbers are matching up. The state requires us to go through an audit to make sure that no extras okay. or a little less are being pulled out or anything. Okay. So if, if all you're doing starting next Tuesday or starting the Tuesday before um, is counting up how many ballots you actually have, when does the count of the results occur? That will be re- released on election night after eight o'clock. But those are unofficial results Correct. until you hold your canvas. And the canvas can be anywhere from seven days after the election to 21 days after the election. Interesting. When you say canvas, is this part of the auditing system you're talking about? Or what no. exactly what exactly is the canvas? The canvas is where ballots that come in that can be counted... Um, they were postmarked correctly, but they went someplace else or somebody dropped them because mm-hmm. they were in a, they were worried they dropped them in a different county ballot box or the mail accidentally went to, Mike quite often sends me stuff after the election and he writes on them. These can be counted. You know, those are 
those are the things that we need to do. And plus, we have, there's a law in place that we call them cure letters or whatever. We have to give the voters an opportunity to rectify a problem with their ballot okay. before the canvas. And, and So it can be counted. And what about those ballots that are showing up through the mail after the election? At what point in time do you say, nope, it's too late? They have to be postmarked the day before the election. So if they're postmarked day before the election, then we will, we will count them and process them through. So if, if I haven't been able to get into the mail, but I wanted to put it in the mail and it is now election day or even you the need day to before, drop it off. you, you got to go it drop off. it off. You and know, could you do that in one of those ballot boxes up until the day absolutely. of the election? Yes. Right till eight o'clock at night. Our post office, this, I don't remember, was this election or the one before, our, poll, our post office workers, they go out of their way to get to them and get us the ballots. We had one come in at five o'clock when she got off to work. She said, hey, these were dropped in our boxes. She brought in five, or eight, five, six, seven, eight ballots. And our said, post offices do the same yeah, thing. You know, they're not. What's bad is the post office poll workers or the postal workers are getting a bad name here. I don't think there's any out there that's an intentionally trying to throw ballots away. That's their job. Their job is to deliver the mail. Right. They're not out there to try to, because there's no way on that ballot to see how it's voted. There's nothing that says that's a Republican ballot, Democratic ballot, because a general election, it's all the same ballot. Right. There's no way to tell. And, and since Utah has gone to all mail-in, um, uh, Joanne, you had mentioned some information about the success rate of that. I think it was you who said. Yes. Can you, can you again just tell me um, what we as a state have seen as far as participation and otherwise? Well, for primary elections, we're seeing jumps from 40% up to 70 or 80%. And in a general election, we're talking 60 and 70% up to 90%. So we're having huge increases. And I think this one, in particular, because of all the hoopla around it and all the concerns people have, is even going to be bigger than that. Hoopla is a is a good descriptor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, just to reiterate, if I think that I'm registered but I'm not sure, can I go to the website? Absolutely, vote.utah.gov, and it'll it'll and there's it'll tell there's me. like six boxes on that vote.utah.gov website. Mm-hmm. One of them's gonna be register. One of them's going to say, where did my ballot get mailed to? And it's going to ask you information that only you should know, your social security number, your birthday, okay. your full name, your address, and then it's going to pull you, pull it up. So it'll, it'll tell me if a ballot has been sent to me. Will it tell me anything about the, the current, um, where my ballot is uh, along the process, if I've sent it in? If you've sent it in and we've received it, because every day we, will, we scan in the barcode mm-hmm. that says that Dave's ballot's made it. At that point, it records, if the signature's good, it says counted. Um, I'd like to jump really quick over to, to something that I was reading about, because about uh, a month ago, um, the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was the Postmaster General, uh, Louis DeJoy, or not. Uh, I just know that the Postal Service had sent out um, postcards, and we got some here in Utah, and those postcards basically said, hey, don't forget to request your ballots. 
And just to reiterate, we've already said this, but that's not how it works here. Correct. We had multiple phone calls. That and really caused us lots of headaches. It caused a little bit of panic here because <laughs> that some states um, require they've already sent out their ballots, and so they were ahead of the process farther than we were, and so people here thought that it was across the nation, and so it caused a bit of panic and. And we had to get to the point where on our voicemails for our telephones, we had to put up an explanation in case we couldn't get to the phone. Right. <laughs> well. Because um, in Utah, we can't mail the ballots out more than 21 days before and no later than 14. That kind of gives you a window right there. So today, the 13th is being the 21st day. So they have been, I, we've got a confirmation from our mailer. They hit Salt Lake today. So they should be getting to you by this Thursday, Friday. You should have a ballot in the mail. And if you do mail um, from Vernal or anywhere else in Uinta County, how long does it typically take to get to you guys? Is it, does it have to run out all the way to Salt Lake and then come back? What's, What's usual turnaround time? Well, you know, this is where the post offices kind of step up for us. Um, they kind of fudge their boundaries a little bit, at least in Duchesne County. Um, they don't send them back to Salt Lake. They just keep them here in the basin and send them out, of which they're really not supposed to do, but they want to make sure that our voters (laughs) are getting their ballots in time. But on return, normally it takes two days to get back. If you was to drop in the mail and actually got shipped to Salt Lake, it's going to be two days before it gets back to me. So okay. day out, and then it doesn't. Used to be, send that one day, come back the next day. You're you're at least two days out before it gets back to us. So, but again, you're you're just looking for a postmark date. As correct. long as it's postmarked by the day before, yes, um, which means at some point in time, if you get it to. Uh, the post office, and it's later in the day, it may not get postmarked that day. That I'm means guessing. you need to be walking into the post office and having them hand stamp that okay. so that we have the correct date on it. Do you get a lot of those? I mean, I'm, I'm yes. wondering if, if we're all procrastinators. There's a lot of procrastinators. This I, first couple of days, we'll get probably a couple thousand, and then it'll just drop off until that last week, and then we just get bombarded. But I know our post office on the outside drop box where the people drop in, they'll put in it. Today's election day. Do not put your ballot in here. Please drop it off at the county clerk's office. Because it's at that point it's not going to get that day on it. Right. And and when you when you get in the ballots, um, I'm I'm imagining that those that are showing up last if you have to deal with those signature issues or, or any other issue that pops up, that well, does that push your canvassing process out? Do you do you have a, a certain period of time that you said, I think you said it was seven to 10 days? Seven to 21 days. Seven to 21 days. Okay. Is that 21 days, that's that final cutoff? You've got to have your numbers in no matter what? Well, we, you, we have to advertise when the canvas is going to be so the public can attend if they choose to. And so um, I don't know about Mike, but I've already advertised that date of our canvas. Same here. And so um, we cannot change the date we've chosen at this point because of the advertising in order to let the public know. Okay. So our canvas is going to be on the 16th of November, which is two weeks later. And I think that's what mine is. 
Okay. Now, now let's say let's say you have. Um, well, first of all, how often does does that signature checking? I mean, if you had a percentage or a, a number, how often do you have to do that? I would probably guess it as low as one to two percent. Okay. We've sent out about sixteen thousand ballots, so on average, you're going to have one to maybe two ballots per fifty. Okay. A lot of times, you won't have any issues. It's interesting how many what we call signature swap. You sign your spouse's and she signs yours. Uh, and, and, then and, and in an our issue. system, it's we look at it and say, ah, wait a minute, that's so-and-so's wife. Signature swap, we wait for the husbands to come in, and then we verify and do it. You'd be surprised how many people won't even sign their ballot, sign their envelope. They're not signing their ballot, they're signing their envelope. Okay. Uh, so make sure if within your ballot that you're signing everything. So you because sign the envelope so that we can verify who you are. What because happens? we do want to count their ballot. If right. they don't sign it, we cannot count it. Right. And if if they don't sign it and you cannot count it, then that ballot is just disqualified. Yes. It's disqualified, but it's kept track of. So in the canvas, we'll report we have 20 signature issues that were not cured, okay. meaning they did not bother to come in. And say, yep, them are my signature. So those were not counted. They're not because we have nobody to give credit to. Right. Because it when we went to this by mail, it was interesting. We had one because we call them. We called that voter and said, Hey, we got a ballot here from you. And he says, I've lived in Oklahoma for a couple years. That blankety blank that I used to live with, <laughs> she voted that ballot. That's not my ballot. We said, Thank you. You just give us all the information we need. Right. right. So that doesn't get counted. We write it on it. So-and-so, somebody else voted that ballot. And, and in other, that situation, we get the state involved right. for fraud. <laughs> right, because Correct. at that point in time, now somebody has committed a felony. Correct. Um, do you find that there's any other reasons besides the signature uh, issue that would cause a ballot to be disqualified? That's pretty much it. Yeah, that there's not really too much. I mean, we've had lots of phone calls from older people who have developed a disease or or something to that effect, and their their handwriting has become shaky, and they're worried about us not being able to tell. However, um, we've taken classes, and we know what we're looking for, and we train our poll workers that way too. A signature isn't just a signature to us. You know, there's specific things in a loop or in an I being dotted or how you cross your T that we're looking for. It's not the specific signature. It's the it's the verification of that signature that we're looking for. Okay. Um, jumping over back to the to the the date in which um, they have to have it postmarked by have you ever had a situation uh, just of all I'm just trying to think of any other reason why someone would say hey I was pretty sure my ballot got uh, in and, and you didn't count it um, if for some reason I don't know if this ever happens but w- what if you got a ballot that came in through the mail and it didn't have a postmark on it they've told us down in the bottom there's little once it goes through the post office, there's infrared uh, Bar line, code. barcodes Bar on code. the bottom of it okay. that identify when that ballot went through the mail. That are put on there by the machine as it goes through. Correct. So no matter what, it's going to have one of those on there. It should have one of those. If it doesn't, um, by chance, 
we're going to lean to the side of the voter. Especially if we got it, you know, the next day. Okay. If it's eight days later, then it's a pretty tough call. Right. When you say lean to the side of the voter, you're saying that you would most likely accept that ballot. Yes, because... If it was that day... We want voters to vote. We want as many voters who want to vote to vote. And so we're going to do everything within our power and the laws that have been set for us by the legislature to accommodate them. Yeah. We would rather err in favor of the voter. Um, I, I've got, um, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was, I was just looking through and, and seeing what, uh, I, I could find through, through Facebook. It's, it's, it's funny cause that's where most of this has popped up for me. Um, and, and I'd like to run through a couple of scenarios that have happened in, in other States and in the other counties. But, uh, before we do that, um, why don't I, why don't I give a shout out to our, our other sponsor, uh, for this particular podcast, which is, uh, Carl's Carpet. Carl's Carpet in the Unibasin Premier is the Unibasin's premier installer of flooring, window coverings, and custom organizers. They've been family-owned and operated for over 50 years. For a free estimate, go see them today in Roosevelt or on the web at Carl's with a K. So it's K, carlscarpet.com. Okay, um, let me look through this really quick here. Um, when we talk about, uh, again, my... My impression is that there is a great amount of fear in the election process. And that fear, of course, is going to lead to people's lack of faith in the election process. And obviously you are here to, to help um, alleviate that fear by telling us how it's really done. Regardless of that, um, I'd like to throw these, these few scenarios at you and see just how you and a county and Duchesne County would react in a similar situation or whether or not you give any credence to this. Um, and maybe some of this is opinion. Maybe you've got some other information uh, that I don't. Um, but I'm wondering what, obviously, the, the, the checking of the signatures is a security measure. The counting of the ballots... Um, and putting them in groups is a security measure, so that we have these in groups. Um, but all of these, all of these ballots live someplace until they're counted um, and until they're canvassed. Uh, what are the security measures that are put in place to be sure that nobody can come in and tamper with physical copies of things that we say are good? We sort store ours in our vault. We have a vault, and along with doing them in fifties, once they're scanned in, our goal is every day to have every ballot that we've received that day at least scanned. That's keeping us account in our system. It's going to tell us, okay, we have 10,000 ballots or we have 8,000 ballots. So we know how many we have. So with our control cards that we're keeping track, we have a control sheet with the numbers, ballot, our ballots, batch numbers, that's okay. keeping that control number there. So we're following that, and we balance that every single night. We do the same. Ours is a little different. Uh, We count how many ballots have come in, how many ballots need to be uh, straightened out because of an address change or how many have been undeliverable or how many are temporary away. We, we track all of that. And when we separate our ballots and envelopes from each other, 
We store everything on an inside room, but the ballots are on one side of the room and the envelopes are in a box underneath the table on the other side of the room. So they're not even close together. And, and once we move them in there, there's no way to know how to line them up. Gotcha. So uh, let me jump to um, one of the most famous uh, right now on Facebook, at least one of the most shared posts uh, of potential um, what is being called uh, mail-in voter fraud, or at least the, the potential to cause fraud, which is there's a, there is a picture that's shown that somebody says, hey, look, I got five ballots in the mail, uh, all to me, all different names. I could just fill these out and send them in, and I could vote five times. So my question is, have you, have you heard of that happening? And if so, why would one residence get multiple ballots for that residence, for people who don't necessarily live there? And what is the actual potential for somebody to take those ballots, fill them out, and send them in and get an extra vote or five? their signatures would have to match when it come back to us. That's going to be the number one thing. Right. And if they're registering out there at different names, okay, Mike, I go by Mike. It's also Michael. If you're out there registering under different names, you're causing voter fraud. You're attempting to fraud the situation. But in the state of Utah, we sort, they, by last four digits, social security number, birth date, driver's license. Very, very seldom is all those three ever going to match Mm-hmm. More than one time. So preventing voter fraud is the exact thing we want to prevent. And that's why we keep our databases clean. Um, you know, there are times where we have to put like a junior or a senior on the ballot so that we know that uh, a 19-year-old is the junior and his dad is the senior and they mm-hmm. live at the same address and they have the same name. But we go through and look at their birth dates and and things like that to make sure that we're not sending out more than one ballot. And the other thing is, is that when the first ballot comes in, that's the only count you're going to get. For a given address or name? For a name. For a name. Okay. For that voter. So once that comes in and that's recorded voted, you don't get a vote again. It doesn't matter how many ballots you send in after that, you will not get a vote more than one time. Is it possible that um, this scenario of, of a resident or residents receiving multiple ballots with different names, meaning not the not Scott versus Scotty versus Scooter, but completely different people, is it possible that um, uh, ballots are being sent to just the most recent residents on file that happens to be a previous resident of the same address. That's where the post office comes in. Um, And they do a really, really good job at this. Uh, They look at the name and mark them undeliverable at that address and send them back to us. Because you cannot forward a ballot. Ballots cannot be forwarded. So if you had a, a mail, a forwarding address in there, they will not forward a ballot ballot. Okay, and because that, you've moved, but you haven't bothered to, to re-register, you don't get another ballot. You don't. You'd have to come in and re-register before you could get a ballot. And that's why it would be on the voter themselves then, because they wouldn't be receiving their ballot at their new address because they hadn't gone through the process that of is re-registering. Correct. correct. And then their ballot is gets sent back. 
um, if they don't reach out at that point in time because they haven't received one for a while, and if they don't show up at uh, a polling location, then they don't get to vote. Correct. So it's it's really on uh, the responsibility lies on the voter. If we're doing everything that we can. When I say we, I mean you, um, to make sure that everybody gets their ballot. But certainly, there's situations where that might not happen based off of a voter not having done their part. Well, one of the things that uh, people need to realize is that they assume that if they change their addresses for taxes or honor a a document for the recorder's office or some sort of document that's in the county building, that we're going to automatically change their address. That's not so. Because of the fact that this is a personalized situation, they have to want to be able to vote. They have to go the extra mile to make sure we have the information because we're not going to pull it from anybody else because in our minds, that's not kosher. Right. That's not, that's, that's adding to a fraud problem instead of uh, fixing the problem. Right. And, and you are elected officials. Um, your job is to do your job to the best of your ability. Otherwise, you don't get reelected. Correct. Um, is there term limits for your positions? When the voter throws you out, you're done. Okay. <laughs> and and how, how long is a term? Four, Four years. years. Four years. Do, are you guys stacked uh, or are you at the same time? Like when, when are you up for re-election? Just out of curiosity. In two years. Two years. Two years. Okay, both the same. Okay. Um, this, this morning I was listening to... Um, in another podcast, and, and it was talking about something that had been discovered overnight, which uh, was in California, um, that there were ballot boxes that were being put out that were not the official ballot boxes put out from election offic- officials, but were put out by a party, even though those ballot boxes had the words official um, ballot boxes on it. Um, the the California Attorney General um, has, uh, as well as I think the, uh, I'm not sure who else it was, well, certainly the, the Attorney General, um, has come down hard on that party saying you got to get rid of those boxes. And the party, of course, has, has given their reasons why they believe that it's okay because they believe it follows um, uh, harvesting law, harvesting of, of ballots. Um, Attorney General says no. Uh, that's a that's a one-on-one thing. It's a person-to-person. It's not, um, here's a box, put them in. Uh, and so I think that's still up for debate because that just, um, you know, broke last night, this morning. But I'm wondering, um, here in Uina and Duchesne, uh, whether or not that's, you know, something that you'd ever have a concern with, as well as how, what are the harvesting laws here? Ballot harvesting is against the law in the state of Utah. Oh, that makes it and easy. And punishable. Then. Yes. The only thing, I mean, uh, the political parties are involved in in all elections, that's for sure. But for us, being smaller counties, I think that our political parties um, are mostly involved in the primaries. Um we don't see what Salt Lake County sees. We don't see what Utah County sees, you know, because that's where the congressional district people come from, things mm-hmm. like that. And so in that sense, we're, we're very lucky. But I'm very glad that the legislature made it so that harvesting is illegal. Well, it certainly makes this situation not right. replicable. And that's uh, why when we set our ballot boxes out, we have a drop box. 
by the library. It's under video surveillance. It's bolted to the ground. It's labeled what it is. And we, sorry, but we don't have a whole bunch of them all throughout the county. We don't either for that very reason. We have audio feeds and video feeds. Mm -hmm. And we also have those with our poll workers, too, so that we can verify if they're doing what they should be as well. Uh, it's one one of the blessings of, of being in a um, a smaller population area, um, which my next question uh, kind of answers that as well, because one of the, the big concerns um, for using the post office is whether or not the post office itself will be able to handle the influx of how many mail-in ballots uh, they're anticipating. Um, I, I think one uh, article in the New York Times suggested up to 80 million um either total or, or more than they're, they're used to. Um, do you see here in the Una Basin that being an issue at all? I don't see that being an issue at all. Well, you know, I just want to, uh, Clayton at our Duchesne post office uh, has gone the extra mile. He's been called up by um, a different post office before where, Ballots have gone to them instead of his post office, and he has gone and got those ballots and brought them back to Duchesne so we can process them. And so when we work with our local post office, our local postmasters, um, it's personal, and they want what we want. They want to help the people as much as we do. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've already heard from my postmaster here in Vernal about it week ago, two weeks ago, he wanted to know when they was coming. He wanted to make sure he had enough staff there to handle them. I mean, they're, they're involved. They, they want to make sure the postal service looks the best they can. Yeah. And, and because of that, my, my next question and, and the scenario that I'm going to present here, it, it may be a moot point. Um, also because of the precautions that are put into place beforehand, but, um, one of the one of the posts that have been floating around is is something that happened in Pennsylvania, where there were um, a number of ballots that were found in a dumpster. Uh, the total number, I believe, was nine. Um, at first, it was said that they were all for one candidate, um, and that they were all military ballots. Um, later, it was found out that most of them were for that candidate, but not all of them. Um, I, I believe that the response from uh, the postmaster in that area was that it was uh, a mistake by uh, a seasonally hired person who was working and threw away something they weren't supposed to. Um, is, is that a concern? Is that, do we need to be worried about the integrity of individuals who are going to be touching these things, even though they're sealed, right? I mean, we've, we've got right. it in a way, but still... Um, and I, and maybe that's another question. Is it is it possible? And I'm 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 kind of reaching here, but is it possible for someone to have access to ballots to open those up to see what the um what the voter who the voter voted for, and then reseal them in a way that maybe nobody knows? I guess it is possible, but not likely. You'd be able to tell that ballot yes. envelope had been tampered okay. with. And, you know, mistakes do happen. Everybody makes them. Everybody on this earth is human. They they do things out of the ordinary that they wouldn't necessarily do. But the thing that people need to keep in mind is that 99% of the postal workers are trying to do their best to help us. 
you know, sure, there's going to be some seasonal workers or some other people, but if we get involved at an early enough point, we can rectify the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, just my own opinion here. I think that a lot of it, um, a lot of fear or lack of fear, has to do with just our overall faith in the system that we've had. And uh, for us in Utah, it's probably a good idea to recognize that this isn't the first time that we've done mail-in voting. It's not something that we're doing because of COVID, but uh, it's what we've always done. Certainly COVID is going to add in its own uh, hurdles to overcome, but it it appears that um, you're taking every precaution for that. I I, I imagine that's also one of the reasons why the polling locations, if you're going to go the day of, might be a little bit longer. Um, Are we doing any social distancing or any other preventative measures for COVID? Yes, Yes, we are. Okay. They've got to keep their six feet different, six feet apart. We're recommending asking everybody if they do wait to that day, bring a mask with you, wear a mask. And definitely bring a coat because the lines will go outside with that six feet. (laughs) And it's starting to get cold. (laughs) We have actually reached legitimate fall in Uinta County. Yeah. I think it was 32 degrees when I drove to work this morning. I couldn't believe it. One thing I noticed last presidential election, it was because the line, it went down, down the stairs and out the door. And we would have voters coming in with their ballot and they're like, what's this line? We They said, why didn't you vote the ballot that he sent you? You wouldn't be standing in this line. So, you don't. there's no need to stand in the line at all. Is there a need to stand in the line? Vote the ballot we sent you. And if you're scared of the post office, then drop it through one of the drop boxes. Well, and another point that we kind of need to make here is that um, we don't hook anything up to the internet for any hackers to get hold of or anything like that. Um, we have nothing to, when we process the ballots, it's, it's on our regular building network. It's not anything that can go out to anything. Somebody would have to be 007 or, um, or higher, <laughs> <laughs> and and do some some serious infiltration if they wanted to uh, come into a little Uinta County. And we do that on purpose so that you know so that it is more secure. The only time that that is not is when we transfer uh, the file to the state. Okay. But even Which then, it's takes, done from a jump drive, and it's a protected jump drive. It's a very secure jump drive, and it takes like three minutes is all, and then it's back out. Interesting. I, I, we're actually getting close to being out of time because I'd, I'd like to, to know a little bit more about that. That sounds um, a little James Bondy. Um, uh, there was there was one question I really wanted to get to because of our Native American population. Um, something I had read about the post office um, sometimes having a difficult time getting ballots to Native Americans because, uh, and I'm not sure that this is the case in, in our counties, but... Um, the lack of physical street addresses that are are sometimes not used within the Native American culture, is that something that is a concern here at all? The physical address just tells us which precinct they're in. Which most, ballot Which you ballot receive. you're going to get. But other than that, most of them are going by P.O. boxes. Oh, okay. So it's going to be delivered to the P.O. box. So if any of them care who is in their school board district or or things that are sectioned like that, then their street address matters. Mm -hmm. 
because we want to precinct them so they can vote for the people they know. You know, not just give them a plain Jane generic ballot. Right, right. And that, of course, again, would, would fall on them as the registered voter of whether or not they registered correctly and put Correct. the information in that's Correct. necessary. Okay, uh, well, but before we wrap up here, um, I know that there was there was some information that you had given me. I want to make sure that uh, if there's anything else that uh, you feel the voters of the Uinta Basin uh, need to be aware of. We've, we've covered a lot, but uh, last comments? The only comment I'd make is there are seven constitutional amendments. Take your time, read through them, decide exactly how you want to vote. And if you're going to wait till election day to do that, you will not be able to vote them as an educated voter. So please Take the time. vote the ballot we send you and drop it in the mail or drop it in. And it should be showing up any day. Any day. Well, and the other thing is, is that please be aware that uh, COVID is increasing in the basin and we want to help prevent sharing that, especially without in our buildings and stuff, because if COVID came into our buildings, it would take out the whole building and then no one would have access to anything. Right. So we want to make sure that people are wearing their masks, doing the six feet, sanitizing their hands. But most of all, please use the by mail option, drop it off or put it in the mailbox just for those protections for everyone else. All right. And thank you so much, uh, both Mike Wilkins and Joanne Evans, uh, the respective county clerk auditors from Uinta and Duchesne County. Really appreciate you taking the time, going a little more in depth. Um, Hopefully we've given some people uh, a little more information, a little faith back in the system if they were they were losing it. And of course, thank you all for listening to Channel V6 podcast. Make sure to to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email. You can do that at podcast at channelv6.com. I'm David Gale, and we'll see you next time.